And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the first and great commandment. And the second is the like, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. 2 Peter 3, 17 and 18. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Everybody say grow. grow. Everybody say love. love. Everybody say grow. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Everybody say serve. serve. Everybody say love. love. Grow. grow. Serve. This morning, I want to start a mini-series for the next three weeks, and it's actually called Love, Grow, Serve. Everybody say, Love, Grow, Serve. Love, Grow, Serve. And, you know, every church has to get to the point where we look back at what we have accomplished, we assess where we are, we have to really think through how we're doing, we've got to really take some time to pray and ask the Lord Lord, are we going in the right direction? And if we are going in the right direction, God, do, are there things that we need to tweak? Are there things that we need to fix? Because I'm committed that even when a church is doing well, that it can do better. I'm committed to doing better. I'm committed to, to seeing, God, what are the things that you want to show us, God? And so several, uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, I, I, I called the staff together, the pastors of our church, and I, I have to tell you, I love the pastors of this church. I love my fellow workers and my staff. I don't think there's ever been a time where we've been more united in purpose, more united in effort, more united in unity than we are today. I love them dearly, and I think every one of them are so gifted. I, I feel like I have surrounded myself with people that are better than I am. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for every pastor and staff member at Bethlehem Assembly of God makes us who we are today. And so a year and a half ago, we actually got together and we went on a retreat together for two days and we prayed and we fasted and we prayed some more and we talked and we said, how are we doing? And are we going in the same direction as a church? Are we duplicating efforts? Are people getting burnt out? Are they doing too many things? And do we need to simplify? Do we need to stop doing some things and, and start joining our, our efforts together? You see, because the truth is there are a lot of really good people in the church. And, and people come for a lot of different reasons. And sometimes, I want to I, I say this with all due respect, sometimes people come to the church because they want to fix the church. You know what I'm talking about. Or they want to fix the pastor, you know. And, 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 you know, they've, they've arrived and, and they know certain things, you know. They feel like, you know, well, this is the kind of church we need to be and this is the kind of ministry we need to be in and the church needs to be doing more of this and more of that or less of that, you know. And, 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 and sometimes, you know, we, we can have our little camps, our little groups of people, and we start influencing those little groups of people. And, and even if it's done with the right pure motive, if we're not all going in the same direction, we've got division. And division are, is a definition of two visions. And you can't have two visions. You have to have one vision and you have to have one head. Because the last time when I looked at a high, uh, you know, a, one of those horror movies and a, a, and a person walked out with two heads, that's called a monster. <laughs> and, and the truth is sometimes churches can have little monsters going on, you know, little, little camps going on and, and, and a lot of division and a lot of people going in a lot of different directions. And you know what? We're never going to get anywhere until we're all going in the same direction. You know, the Bible tells us that the early church, they simplified the model. And sometimes we make church too technical and too complicated. And we, we, we try really hard to figure out so many different things. And then we 
we've got all these different ministries and we've got all these different leaders going in all these different ways and we were offering so many different things and we got to that point where we recognize as a staff, as pastors, that we're just too complicated as a church and we need to simplify things. We need to simplify the model, the strategy. We need to simplify and recognize there are certain things that God wants us to do as a church. And sometimes you've got to actually say, you know what? We shouldn't be doing that anymore. That was good for a season. You see, the Bible says for every season, there's an activity. And you have to know what activity fits the season in your life and fits the season in the church. And churches can go through seasons, times, and that's why you have to always be on your knees. That's why you have to always be praying because you can't just figure it out and put it on autopilot because, man, life is fluid. People are fluid. Things happen. Things change. But there's one thing that doesn't change, and that is the mission of God and the Word of God. Come on, somebody. So we need to simplify it, and the early disciples the early church, they, they had a simple model. And you know, the Bible says before they came out and they began to go with the strategy they had, they locked themselves in a room for 11 days and they were in one big Honda. The Bible says they were in one accord. And as a result of that, the anointing of God came. God doesn't bless disunity. He blesses unity. The Bible says how good and how pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. And Listen, there's two women that I always avoid in my life, miscommunication and misunderstanding. And when you've got a lot of people communicating a whole lot of things and going in a whole lot of di directions, you've got misunderstanding. And man, it breaks my heart when I see a church divided. And there's been a lot of churches that have gone through splits and divisions. And you know, I've been the senior pastor. I've been pastoring in this church for over 32 years. 32 years. I started when I was one years old. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and that just kind of really ticks me off that you think that's funny. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and the truth is, uh, I'm so blessed that even though, you know, I, I've, I've ministered 32 years, but I've been the senior pastor for 24 years. Next year would be 25 years. And you know what? I thank the Lord that we've never, under my leadership, had a split in the church. Now, we've had people leave. And let me, let me be honest with you, and let me be very respectful to you today, that the truth of the matter is there's a lot of different kinds of churches. You know, every church should have an understanding of the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. And every church should be a church that reaches lost people and disciples people. Come on, somebody. But there's a lot of different kinds of churches. And so if you can't embrace the vision and you can't go along on the journey with me, then I will give you the number of a church that might fit for you. Now, I, you know, you might say, that's, that's rude. No, it's not rude. I'm, being, I'm actually telling you that, that it would be best for you to find the church that you can get involved in, that you really believe in, that you believe in the vision, you believe in the core values, you believe in the mission of the church, and then you, you jump into that thing and you give it everything you have because that's the only way that a church can be blessed, that's the only way a church can be effective, that's the only way a church can be fruitful is when all the people in the church are on the same page, going in the same direction, working together together for the same purpose for the glory of God. Come on, somebody. Oh, oh. And so, so we went away, and we've had a lot of discussions since then, really talking about what should be the vision of our church, what should be the mission of our church, what should be the core values. And, you know, I, I have to be honest with you, I do everything long in my life. My, my introductions to my sermons are long. My sermons are long. You sit down with me, you can, I can have a conversation with you without, for hours. I write something, it's long. So the first time I wrote the vision statement, it was so long. I needed like five pieces of paper to write it all out. And I put it on my wall and I said, nobody's going to be able to memorize it. I can't even memorize that. And the mission statement was even longer. And so we really wanted to simplify things. We said, you know what? We've got to simplify the vision. It's got to be clear. 
You know, vision is a preferred future. It's a picture of a preferred future. It's what we are today and what we want to be tomorrow. You know, seeing where we are, seeing where we came from, tying to the past, and where do we want to go, you know. And the mission is, is what we're supposed to be doing. And the core values is how are we supposed to be doing that. And if people can't memorize it, if people can't live it out, if people can't understand it, then how are you going to communicate it so that we can all go in the same direction? And so we came up with a few statements that we want you to memorize. There's going to be a test, a test next week, all right? So when you come in, we're going to ask you that. And if you don't know it, you're going to have to tie 20%. But, but this is our new vision, mission, and core value statements. And, and I really want you to put it somewhere where you're going to keep it and you're going to pray. I'm, I'm asking you to pray daily for our church. I'm asking you to pray for vision. I, I need vision. I need wisdom. I need understanding. I mean, God is doing some incredible things through Bethlehem Assembly of God. You know, we support over 100 different ministries here and around the world. 100. We plant churches around the country and the world. And it's amazing what God has done. And we are connected to ministries outside of this church that are doing great things like Convoy of Hope and, and different ministries and Hope Day. Hope Day, listen to me. Through Hope Day, we have been able to, listen, ready? We have been able to minister to and reach over 57,000 people. So we need a lot of vision. We need a lot of wisdom so the Lord can help us to know exactly what we should be doing or what we shouldn't be doing. Because a good idea is not always God's idea. You need to write that one down. A good idea is not always God's idea. And so I want you to take this card and I want you to pray daily for this card. And I want you to say first with me, everybody together, love, grow, serve. So we, we decided that there's three words that are going to define who we are, describe who we are. And so our mission is that we make disciples that love, grow, serve. Everybody say that with me. We make disciples that love, grow, serve. That's easy, isn't it? How many, everybody say love, grow, serve. Love. Say it again. Love, grow, serve. Love. Can you memorize that? Do you got it? Put your card down. Don't look at it. No cheating. Tell me what the mission statement is. We make disciples that? Love. Isn't that simple? Isn't that easy? That's it. We make disciples that love, grow, serve. And what's our vision? We envision that every individual and every community and the world experience the gospel transformation in their life. Why is that important? Because you see, the truth is the gospel is the thing that changed people's lives. Paul the Apostle said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So Steve Malazzo doesn't change anybody. This church doesn't change anybody. You don't change anybody. But it's the power of the gospel that transforms people's lives. It's the message of the gospel. It's the message that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. We need to receive it as a free gift from God. And when we do that, the gospel contains the, the antidote to our sin nature. And that means that when we receive Christ into our heart, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us and he does the transforming work in our life. And it's not just a story, and it's not just the beginning of our salvation, but the gospel is woven through every part of our life for the rest of our life. It is the transforming power of the gospel in our life, and we want everyone. We want everyone in Valley Stream. We want everyone in Limbrook. We want everyone in Queens and Brooklyn and the Bronx and around the world to experience the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because when they experience that, they will be changed. Come on, somebody. That's our vision, that we take the message of the gospel everywhere we go and we see God transforming lives. But you see, every organization has to have core values. You do what you value and you value what you do. And every organization has to be rooted in core values. And core values is how are we going to do this? And so how are we going to share the gospel. How are we going to love, grow, serve? Well, we're going to do it biblically. 
If the Bible doesn't say it, we're not going to do it. We're not going to compromise the Bible. We're not going to twist the Bible. We're not going to water down the Bible. We're not going to water down the Bible to get people to come to Bethlehem Assembly of God. We're going to preach the truth, and the truth comes from the Word of God. And everything we do is going to be based on the Word of God. Come on, somebody. And we're not going to apologize for that. And, and we love and we embrace diversity because that is a slice of heaven. And let me tell you, it doesn't always happen in every church. You know that Sunday morning is the most segregated hour of the whole week when it comes to diversity. And so I'm not, I'm not going to try to segregate anybody. I'd like to see that everyone loves one another and that through and through, everywhere you turn at Bethlehem Assembly of God, you see diversity. You see diversity in the school. I was so blessed. We just launched our, our, our next year uh, for uh, Valley Stream Christian Academy. And the pr and principal is here. Leslie, just wave. I know you're not going to get all embarrassed and everything like that. Okay, now just stand up. Now just stand up. Now just wave your arms real quick. Yeah, that's all. Um, you know, Leslie Fowley is an awesome principal superintendent of the school. And you know what was so wonderful, Leslie, is when I walked into your teacher's meeting and you asked me to bless and pray for them, and I looked around and there was diversity. I thought to myself, everywhere we look at Bethlehem, we've got to see diversity. We've got to see it in our one groups. We've got to see it in our leadership. We've got to see it in our school. We've got to see it all around. Why? Because that's a slice of heaven, and we need to embrace that with all of our heart. This is the place where we show our country that's torn apart by racism. We don't believe in racism. We believe there's only one race, and that is all people belong to God no matter who they are. Come on, somebody. And that diversity turns into unity. And that unity turns into community. And you're going to hear a lot about that today. And that, that community goes out and has a missional effort in, in reaching other people, a, a, missional in, 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 a, a missional emphasis in the sense that we become Jesus, in the sense that I'm not Jesus in the sense I'm not God, but I am his hands, I am his feet, I am his mouthpiece. And when we go out into the community and we love the community and we show the community what God looks like, then they're attracted to Jesus because they're attracted to the goodness of God and the goodness of God leads to repentance. Somebody say amen. Glory to God. And I think all of that needs to be wrapped up in a spirit of excellence. That everything we do at Bethlehem Assembly of God should be with a spirit of excellence. Everywhere we turn, we might not have the best, biggest buildings in the world, but every building needs to be done with excellence. And every song needs to be sung with excellence. And every sermon needs to be preached with excellence. And I want to I tell you something right now. I commit to you as your pastor that there will never be a Sunday morning that I limp to this platform that I didn't pray and seek the face of God for the word that God wants to give you, the people. And I promise you and I vow to you today that as long as I am the pastor of this church, I will try to endeavor to do everything with all of my heart, with all of my soul and all of my mind. And I will endeavor to do it with a spirit of excellence. Come on, somebody. So I want you to take this card and I want you to pray over this card. I want you to pray over the mission, which is we do what? We love, grow, and serve. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, we love, grow, and serve. And so this first week, we want to talk about how we can be rooted and grounded in God's love. Notice what Jesus said. Jesus said all of the commandments and all of the law is wrapped up in two commandments. Love God with all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so if you endeavor to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, love your neighbor, you are pleasing to God. Come on, somebody. He said everything in the Bible, every scripture, every word, every syllable, every verse, every law that's found in the Bible can be wrapped up in loving God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. And see, the important thing for us to understand is that as we are digging deeper into the things of God, we need to ask ourselves the question, are we really loving God and loving others? Jesus said it's all condensed into these two commandments. And so Bethlehem Assembly of God should exist for one main reason. We must help 
people to experience the love of God. We must help people to experience the love of God. That's why Paul the Apostle declared in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. Listen to what he said. He said, I pray that you, being rooted and established. Everybody say, rooted and established. You, being rooted and established in love. Everybody say, love. May have power together with all the holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the full measure of God. Wow, what a verse, what a promise that Paul the Apostle says that my whole desire and my whole prayer for you as a church is that your whole entire life, your whole entire being, your whole entire relationship being, when it talks about your relationship with God and talks about your relationship with your husband or your wife or your relationship with your kids or your relationship with your boss or your relationship with your neighbors, even your relationship with your enemies should be rooted and established and grounded in love. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, he said that if I speak with tongues of angels and I have not love, I am just making a lot of noise, he said. He said, if I have faith to move mountains but I don't have love, he says, I'm nothing. He said, if I give everything that I possess and own to the poor but I don't have love, then I am nothing. I'm doing it for the wrong reason. Because God doesn't look at our action. He looks at our heart. Man looks at our outward. God looks at our inward. And Paul the Apostle said, your life needs to be rooted and grounded and established and, and in love. Why? Because the root determines the fruit. Everybody say with me, the root determines the fruit. I want you to say with me, my root will determine my fruit. So if the root is bad, if the root is shallow, then your life is going to be shallow. The root is bad. Every part of our life is bad. That's why Jesus said, if the eye is bad and evil, your whole body is evil. He's talking about the root. You see, the root is what lies beneath the surface. And the root is the lifeline of the plant. And it takes up the air and the water and the nutrients from the soil and it moves it to their leaves and so that, that that leaf can receive the photosynthesis that it needs so that the plant can in turn bear much fruit. Amen? Notice that Jesus, when he saw that fig tree, he cursed the fig tree. Why? Because the fig tree, it had a root, it had leaves, but it was not bearing any fruit. It was good for nothing. The root was bad. And so Jesus cursed the tree. So the root is what comes from the plant or comes first and it's it's deep into the ground and you can't see the root but you see that word root in the greek is actually radical radical that's where we get the term radical from do you ever hear somebody say we need to get radical for jesus we need to be radical believers you know what it means to be a radical believer it means that your root is strong and deep and you go back to the basics and you recognize that what god is really calling you to do is to love him with all your heart soul strength and mind friend when you start loving god with all your heart soul strength and mind everyone around you is going to see that you're radical come on somebody see see every life is rooted in something everyone's world has a life that is rooted in something. Some people's lives are rooted in hatred. And everything they do is rooted in hatred. They hate people. And as a result, they are radical about eliminating people. There's people around the world that hate Americans. They, they hate Americans and they eat, sleep, one thing. Eliminate Americans. And they take little children and they put a gun in their hand. And they indoctrinate them with hatred. And their whole life is about how they can eliminate somebody that they hate because their life is rooted in hatred. Some people's lives are rooted in fear. And if their life is not going their way or, or, or perhaps maybe when God tells them to, to do something, they, they don't do it. Why? Because they're so afraid. And so they're paralyzed by that fear. Every decision that they make is rooted in fear, not in faith. And fear is the opposite of faith. 
And so the people of Israel, there, their lives were rooted in fear. And so when they got to the doorstep of the promised land and God said, I want you to cross over the Jordan and go into the promised land, they didn't do it. Why? Because their lives were rooted in fear. If your life is rooted in fear, you will not be obedient to God. Some people's lives are rooted in selfishness. It's all about them. And if the boat is sinking, they're going to throw you over first. Come on, somebody. Because it's all about self and themselves and what they need. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's self-survival. And so their whole life is about self-survival. It's about me. It's about what I can get. It's about how I can just kind of walk over each person as I get to where I want to be in my life. It's all about me. Some people's lives are rooted in tradition. Now, tradition in itself is not bad, but when tradition becomes more important than God's word, when tradition becomes more important than loving God with all heart, soul, strength, and mind, and loving our neighbor as ourselves, it becomes a real problem. And that's why when Jesus came and he saw the Pharisees and the religious people, that they were so rooted in tradition that they, he wanted to break them out of that tradition, but they held so tightly onto that tradition that they couldn't see that God was right in front of them and that they were to love God with all their heart, soul, strength in mind. Why? Because they were so traditional. And some people are so traditional. It's all about the tradition. Their favorite hymn is, I will not be moved. If God himself came down and told them to do something, they say, no, 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 no. I haven't done it that way in 30 years, and I'm not going to start changing now. Come on, somebody. This is the seat that I sit in every Sunday morning. I bought that seat with my tithes, and I'm not moving. And I got to tell you, there are some churches, they just die. Because the tradition, they die. At one time, they were moving and they were doing great things for God, but they got stuck in a tradition. You know what a tradition is? A lot of times, a tradition is something good that turns into something that gets in the way of something new and fresh. Hallelujah. So God tells them to do something. No, I'm not going to do it. No, this is the way we dress. We always dress this way when we come to church. Come on. We always sing this song. We always do it this way. How many know that God is a, a, a God of new? He's a God of fresh. Hallelujah. He's a God of new seasons. He's a God of new possibilities. He's a, new, he's a God of creation. He's a God that is creative, and he creates new things and new ways of doing things. It's always rooted in the word. The word never changes. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but his word never changes. The style might change. The way that we do things might change, but it's always rooted in one thing, in God's word. Somebody say amen. Some people, their lives are rooted in money, and the love of money is the root of all evil. And if your life is rooted in hatred, your life will display the fruit of violence. If your life is rooted in fear, your life will display the fruit of compromise. When God tells you to do something, you'll compromise because you're paralyzed by fear, not by faith. If your life is rooted in self-preservation at any cost, you'll just throw anybody under the bus. Why? Because it's all about you. If your life is rooted in tradition, your life will display the fruit of legalism. And so Paul tells us that our life has to be rooted in one thing and one thing alone, and that is in God's love, in God's amazing, limitless, boundless, unending love. And, and he said, and when your life, listen to me, is filled with that kind of love, you are filled, listen, listen to me, you are filled with the fullness of God. That's what he said. He said, I pray that your eyes would be open so that you might be able to grasp how wide and long and, and deep and is the love of God so that, listen, he said, so that you can be filled to the fullness of God. So when you're filled and rooted with love, you're filled with the fullness of who God is. Why? Because the Bible says God is love. So when you're walking in love, when you're rooted in love, when you're operating in love, you're operating in God. Come on, somebody. Say amen. Glory to God. You see, God's love is so powerful that when you start operating in his love, you will operate in faith and confidence and determination because the Bible tells us perfect love casts out all fear. And my friend, when you are deeply convinced, when you are operating in and you are filled with and rooted in God's amazing love, you will cross every Jordan River in your life and you will live in boldness and faith. You'll walk through the fires of adversity with strength and confidence 
and you will face every day with assurance and victory. That's why, listen to what Paul the Apostle said in Romans chapter 8. He said, who shall then separate us from the what? Love of Christ. Shall trouble? No. Hardship? No. Persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all the day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. No, he said, in all these things, in what things? In difficulty, in hardship, in trials, in situations that we cannot understand, in situations where God allows us to go through things that we cannot even comprehend why God would allow those things to happen. He said, if your life is rooted in God's love, if you understand the depth of God's love, if you understand the width of God's love, if you understand the height of God's love, if you understand how long God's love is for you, you will walk in boldness no matter what happens in your life even if you're on your deathbed you will say i know that god loves me his love goes deeper than my trial deeper than my questions deeper than my valley deeper than the fire i know that god is committed to me and he loves me with a love that i can't even understand and therefore i will walk in victory and confidence why because nothing shall be able to separate me from the love of god which is found in christ jesus come on somebody hallelujah Convinced, convinced about the love of God. He's no, he said, no, in all these things, we are, or what things? In all the problems of our life, he said, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Paul says, that's where I find my confidence. That's where I find my victory. That's where I find my faith. That's where I find my comfort. That's where I find my assurance, in the depth of God's love for me. Hallelujah. He said, I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any other power, neither height nor depth nor any other creation will be able to separate me from the, the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's why Paul says, I pray out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that you, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all of the saints as you all recognize and experience the love of God together. You would be able to grasp how high and wide and long and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that, listen, surpasses knowledge that you may be filled, everybody say filled, with the full measure of God. Wow. He said if you're experiencing God, you're experiencing his love. If you're experiencing his love, you're, you're experiencing the fullness of God. Paul goes on to say your life should be rooted and established in love. And the word established is actually an architectural word that means your life should be built on the foundation of God's love. Listen to me. The foundation of your life, the foundation of this church, the foundation of your marriage, the foundation of leadership, the foundation of Valley Stream Christian Academy, the foundation of everything that we do should be love. God's incredible love. The more you know God's love, the more you experience God's love, the more you live in God's love, the more stable your life will be, the more stable this church will be, the more fruitful and productive this church will be. And Paul is praying for us today, right now, as he speaks that word, as the scriptures speak to us today, his prayer is still being echoed in this church today, that we should get a new a revelation of, of God's multifaceted love. He said, I pray that you would get a new revelation of how powerful is the love of God and how can I really explain God's love. God's love is unfathomable. You can't really understand it. How can I explain? How can I truly understand just how powerful and amazing and majestic and incredible and miraculous and wonderful and astounding is the love of God. It's, it's, it, you can't measure it. It's so profound that it's beyond understanding. And until we really experience it for ourselves, 
we can never really explain it to anyone else. It's unexhaustible. It's unending. That's why Jeremiah tells the people of Israel when they are being disciplined by God, they're carted off to Babylon for 70 years and they are, they are just being beaten up. And yet God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That he wanted them to understand this discipline was because he loved them. And let me say something to you right now. I told you that I would not hold back what God tells me to say. So let me just tell you that I believe that God loves America. God loves our world. He loves this country. But God is sending us a message through the storms. He's sending us a message. He's saying we better repent of our sin. We better get right with God. America better turn back to God. America needs to turn back to Jesus. America needs to embrace the gospel again. It needs to repent of its sin. We've gone further and further away from God. And you know, the truth of the matter is Thursday night I was in the city. We were, we, we were at a dinner for Hope Day and, and um, we were downtown. And I used to work in the World Trade Center. And before I worked in the World Trade Center, I worked right on Rector Street, and we had to go through the World Trade Center. And so, you know, I had not been down there for many years. I, I have not seen what they had rebuilt. And so we took a walk, and it was beautiful. It was just, it's just amazing. If you've never seen the memorial, with all due respect, and tomorrow we need to really think about those people that lost their lives and pray for their families and, and remember and I took that moment to remember, and I thought to myself, how beautiful all this is, how beautiful. But there's this spirit, and I think in some ways it's good to, to have a strong spirit. It's good to have a determined spirit. It's good to have a spirit to say, listen, no matter what happens, we'll rebuild, but we can't leave God out of the equation. And, and I just, it, was, it was just a chill that came over me to think about the fact that since 9-11, we become more wicked. We haven't gotten closer to God. We've gone further away from God. We've embraced things that are not in God's word. We've embraced things. We've embraced definitions that are not God's definitions of all kinds of things in this world. And we've gone further and further away from God. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, man can build these things and they can rebuild over and over and over again. But if they reject me and they reject my love, they reject my security, and I'm going to have to lift my hand the protection off the country so that I can get people to see that the only thing that they can really rely on is my unending faithfulness and my unending love so that when these things happen we can say but we believe in God and we trust in God and, 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 and we need to get back to that so that we can understand that God's love is unending for us there is no beginning to God's love there is no end to God's love it cannot be abolished and it does not diminish that is why David declared in so many of the Psalms, give thanks to the Lord, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. Hallelujah. His love endures forever. It is unconditional. It cannot be obtained by good works and it cannot be destroyed by bad behavior. That's why 1 John declares, what marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called the children of God in spite of, of what we do. Romans chapter 5, Paul the Apostle says, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though a good person someone might die for. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God's love is unmerited. That's why it says in Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace we have been saved. Not by works, but it is a gift of God so that every one of us can recognize that the only way that we could ever have eternal life and be kept safe in the hands of God is through his grace and his mercy. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever and his faithfulness lasts throughout all generations. It is an unselfish love for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And Paul tells us that our love must be rooted and grounded and established in the unfathomable, unending, unconditional, unmerited, unselfish love 
so that our lives may be filled with the fullness of God. And when that happens, three things will happen in our life. We will live a full, abundant, powerful, confident, faith-filled, overcoming, peace-filled, supernatural life in the power of God's Spirit. Why? Because the Bible says God is love and the Holy Spirit pours upon us the love of God. Number two, secondly, when we really are rooted and grounded in God's love, then everything we do, every response we have to God will be one of an act of love towards God. Why? Because God first loved us, we loved him back. And number three, quickly, when we truly understand the love of God and we're walking in the love of God, we will love each other. We will love our neighbors as ourselves. So I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and say, I love you like I love myself. Yeah, yeah I saw some of you like. I didn't even know you. So we're going to practice that again. Turn to your neighbor and say, I love you like I love myself. Mm -hmm. Ben-Hur, you got to turn your head when you do it. <laughs> Let me see you. Come on, brother. I didn't see it. Come on, see it. Turn to that lady right there. Look at her. Straighten her eyes. I love you like I love myself. <laughs> Just think, think of the implications of what our church would really be like. Think of, think of the power Think of the depth, think of the exponential fruitfulness and effectiveness of a church filled with people who experience the love of God and love their neighbor as their self. We can change a whole community. We, we can change a nation if the church would just simply start practicing walking in the love of God, loving their neighbor as their self. I don't know about you, but I like to be loved. I like to be cared about. I like to be respected. I like to be listened to. If I have a need, I like to know that somebody's going to be there to help me through that need. If I need to cry, I hope that somebody would be there to cry with me. I'd hope that when I'm ready to rejoice, that somebody would be there to rejoice with me. See, if we would love each other like we love ourselves, we would have revival in our church. Because Paul says when you're doing that, you're actually living in the fullness of God. So three years ago, God gave me a word. He didn't give me all the details, and I'm seeing why now, why he didn't give me all the details. Because I'm the kind of guy I want to figure it all out I want to strategize. I want to map it out. I want to write it out. I want to communicate it. And God said, no, no, no. I'm going to take you one step at a time with this thing. And so it was 4.30 in the morning. And the Lord said to me, I, he, I woke up and he gave me that word, one, one. He said, I want you to preach about one. And he gave me John chapter 17. And he said, I want you to teach the people how to really love each other and care about each other. And so three years ago, we began what was called One Groups, the One Project. And the Lord told me, go before the people and just tell them to simply do this. Take one group of people once a month and have one meal together for one year and see if that group doesn't turn into a loving community. I really believe the Lord said, you need to trust your people more. You need to trust that the God that lives inside of them is going to help them to learn how to love each other and care about each other. And so I said, okay, God, I'm going to trust you on this. I'm not sure I understand it all, but I'm going to trust you. And so we made our statement and we said, listen, here's the project. The project is you become gatherers. And so many people became gatherers. And I said, you gather people together once a month to have a meal together for one year and see what God does through it. I have been... In the last three years, I have been absolutely blown away by the stories that I keep on hearing about people who truly love each other. You're going to hear a couple of those stories for a few moments. In fact, I told these folks that they have two minutes each, and if they go over that, there's a trap door, and I pull the limb. So if you see one of them go through, you know, you know what happened. 
but the stories that I'm hearing. And, and, and we have been praying, we've been praying that this would just become such a contagious thing in the church that every single person in the church would be a part of a one group and that more and more people would become gatherers, people that have a heart for people that will start saying, you know, I can do this thing. I can gather people together. And so we said, you know what? The next step in this whole process, as we're hearing the Holy Spirit speak to us, the next step in this process is to spend more time with the gatherers. To just not to spend time trying to get them to learn the different things, but just to love on them and pour into them and disciple them and spend time with them so that they in turn could do the same thing for somebody else in their group to recognize there, there could be somebody else that I can pour my life into so that person can go and pour their lives into somebody else so that everyone is finding that somebody is discipling them and loving on, on them and caring about them. That's the master plan of evangelism. That's what Jesus did, amen? He took a small group of people and just poured into their life. And so I, I, just, I, was, I want you for a moment to welcome this group of people. Just give them a big hand right now. Just welcome this group of people. These folks, these folks come from different backgrounds. They're different ages. Um, and yet they're all a part of a one group. And I want you for the next few moments just to hear their stories real quick. And I think you're going to be inspired by what they're going to say about how God is helping them to truly love their neighbor as themselves. And so I'm going to ask this young lady to start. Go ahead. Um, so how the one group um, impacted me was it helped me to exercise my connecting with people muscle. Um, I had a hard time with connecting pe with people, and it just helped me to reach out more. And um, I feel like it was also an answered prayer that God, you know, blessed me with family and not only family, but we're all with the one group that I'm with, we're all different and we from different ages, background and culture and um, from our stories and from what we all had to offer. It just blessed me and opened my mind to think that the Lord is just really colorful. He can use anyone and, you know, he's, you know, he's just not this boring God. You know, he's, everyone has a different story about how he, how they came to him and how, you know, we've reached out to him and how we got together. And I think that that has blessed me um, in a lot of ways. So, yeah. Amen. Good morning, everyone. My name is Marisol. For me, really, it's definitely more than sharing a meal together once a month and having a fun together. It's really doing life together and getting to know people and how God has uh, changed and transformed their lives. And to me, the highlight of my one group is just seeing God's goodness and greatness transforming people's life as we do in life together and sharing our life together, the good and the bad, uh, and seeing how God just powers move when people open and when people sharing their story and, and, and when they overcome different stages and seasons of their life. So that blessed me uh, and, and show me how awesome is our God, because he is. And um, we, we text um, our group to, to get some feedback from them. And some of the keywords that we got was the three points. Um, we met incredible new neighbors. Uh, we have done life together. And we have loved and served uh, one another. And the truth of the matter is we come to church and we, we know people. We, we talk to them. Uh, but we, we know of them, but we don't really know who they are. And uh, the Lord has opened those doors for us to be vulnerable and and, and, and share a story and hear their stories as well. Um, you know, just go out to a picnic and, and have a meal and be able to spend time together, uh, more importantly, serving one another at a time of need when there has been times where there has been maybe somebody in the group lost their job and people have called one another to encourage them and to be there for, for them or ourselves and, and vice versa. So it's been a, an incredible blessing to be able to be part of a one group. And I recommend and suggest that if you're not in a one group that you connect, that you be proactive. Don't wait for somebody to come to you, but you go to, to somebody and say, I want to be part of this. 
good morning. Um, years ago, as a young mom, I felt really isolated. I felt like um, it was just me and my kids. And, um, and kind of, you know, you, you reach out to God, but you always feel like you need somebody else that you can share common um, stories with. And so our, mom, our one group is a mom's group a young mom's group. And we have really formed um, a sisterhood. It's more than just um, prayer and worship, which is very much needed, but it's we can laugh together, we can cry together, we can pray together. And it has really been an answer to prayer at this time where we feel kind of like it's just us and the kids. It becomes more of like we connect more with God and with other like-minded individuals. And really, it has really been um, a true blessing. Good morning. My name is Marie Therese, and uh, the one group uh, is everything that pretty much was mentioned, becoming a family and just being there with each other. But, you know, myself personally, what God has given me, uh, many gifts. Uh, you know, the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is expected. So I knew one of the gifts that God has given me is really to help people connect, to really help people open their hearts. So uh, being part of a one group, and um, one of the things that I've been doing is just going around and, and talking to people within our church and, and pretty much asking that question, if something happens to you, would anyone in the church know about it? And when there's silence behind that question, it's an opportunity for me to help that person connect with a one group because I know how much it, it has helped me. So if you're not part of a one group, I would highly recommend because you know life is up and down. We all go through the valley and we go to the mountaintops and having friends and family, that's what we become, we become a family. Having friends and family helping us through that is what life is all about. My name is Anaib Seabreath, and for me, the one group has been true answer to my prayers. To um, I came from a different country, so missing my family often, quite homesick. Uh, to have the dynamics of having people over and and just doing family together, and for my kids to grow up with cousins and and you know seeing their uncles and and aunts, and you know the one group for me has has done that. We get together, we text each other almost on a daily basis, we send each other notes. Uh, when we do devotionals, we share that information. And we have um, a group of families that have kids. And for my kids, it's really having aunties and uncles. And it's really, um, they get really excited when they know that we're going to get together. And, you know, just an example, yesterday, one of our members of the one group said, I don't want to stay home watching TV, the weather is nice. If you have anything in your, in your fridge, just bring it to, you know, the park and we'll get together. And some of us were available and we just showed up and, you know, the text, bring your dog, bring mommy and bring everybody. And we ended up going for bike rides and spent a really nice afternoon. And I had to leave early and I left my kids there and, you know, somebody took them home. So that's really you know, having that family and being able to pray together and, and pray for them and pray for each other. Praise the Lord, good morning. Um, my wife didn't say that we belong to three one groups. We have two family groups and the other is couples. And uh, one of the great things about, there's so many great things, but one of the great things that has come to the surface as of late was that one of our groups was meeting almost every Friday and the meetings got better and better, and we were just anticipating meeting on Fridays, and we thought that, this is great, we've got to share this, how do we do it? What's so special about our group? And it was a simple fact that when we met on Friday, we were together for three, four, sometimes longer hours, and we broke bread together, we shared a meal, we, you can't spend four hours with a group of people and not share, and so the dynamics became much more personal, um, a lot of truth came out, a lot of insight came out, and it helped us grow closer together. And family has been mentioned by several of these people. I find it very amazing, my background, that I like to be very structured, that we can go to somebody's house and open their fridge and cook a meal with them. Um, and so that, that's been really impressing for us. Um, some of the benefits that, that we have seen personally um, is that 
with everyone else, we've had birthdays, we've had graduations, we've had sleepovers, we'd have kids go off to college, we've vacationed together with some of these people, um, and certainly we've had losses. We've had loved ones pass away, we've dealt with cancer, and these things have helped us just kind of cement the relationships that we've had and grow closer. Um, how it's helped me personally is um, the men in the group have been wonderful in that they've helped challenge one another. Um, there are men that are stronger in the Lord, men who've only come to the Lord a short time ago. And so there's a mentorship going on, and I've learned from others and been able to take that insight and knowledge and apply it to the other groups that I'm in or just with my family as well. Um, one thing I find fascinating is that as we meet together with some of our groups, the kids are there, the kids are watching us, they're, they're seeing what we're doing, and they wanna to come to the table, they wanna join our conversation. I'm like, no, this is adult time, you know, leave us alone, go do your stuff. Um, what, what I think has been especially beneficial is that I no longer need to pick up the phone and call Pastor Henry or make an appointment. I can call the brothers in my group, um, and I have many brothers in my group, and the great thing is that you know, the Bible says from the counsel of many there is wisdom, and I'm getting great counsel and great advice. Um, I feel a joy in my heart. Yes, yes, she's telling me to stop. I feel a joy in my heart um, because here, of what's going on. In here the it comes, here it comes. And, <laughs> and the, the relationships are getting so deep and so great, and I know the Lord is working tremendously in our one groups. Thank you. Good morning, my name is Cheryl, and like I said, I have the best small group. Um, I prayed to God to um, send me sisters that I could talk to and confine to and talk to about anything, and he answered my prayer. Um, like Marisol said, we do life together. Um, they've been there through my good, through my bads, um, when my mother passed. Um, that's, that's what really made me was like, wow, this is, they are so amazing. When my mother passed, they were there, they, they, they prayed with us, they sent me texts, they sent food over, they sent, um, they was constantly sending food over, and even afterwards, after everything was the dust settled and everybody had left and gone, they were still there and asking, do we need anything, do the family need anything? And I was really appreciated, I learned that. It made me realize how they were serving me, little old me, my family. And when I was just recently in the hospital, they were there. They called, they text, they came by and they visited, they sent scriptures, they sent clips, video clips, the things that would help me through my situation. And even when I came home, they offered to come and clean my house and just, you know, just sent food. I didn't have to worry about cooking. And they just prayed. We pray, we laugh, we, we talk, we eat. I love that part. We eat together. And, you know, it, it's just teaching me how to serve. They, they taught me how to serve because I watched them serve me and my family. So it's teaching me how to serve other people. And I definitely grew spiritually. You know, we get into the word together, we pray together, and I grew spiritually. So I recommend anyone, if you haven't joined a small group, please do. Amen. Let's give these folks a big hand. Amen. Amen. Would you stand on your feet right now? And uh, I'd like to just bow your heads for a moment. And maybe you're here and you've never experienced the love of God in your life. And you need to experience the love of God in your life. You need to know that if you died today, you'd go to heaven. I want to pray for you today that God would reveal himself to you and that you would know the love of God. Let's pray together. Father, I pray for those that are here today, and those that are watching via live stream, and those that are in the cafe, that they would experience the love of God in their life, God. That they would know that you sent your only begotten son to die on the cross so that they might have eternal life. May they experience the fullness, the depth of your love, God, in their life. And we thank you for that, Father. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I'd like, I'd like to do something before we leave this morning. I'd like to call all of the gatherers and the coaches to, of the one groups, if you just come and join right in the front here for a moment. Um, and if you're a part of a one group, um, I'd like for you to join us as well. If you're a part of a one group, come on out of your seat right now and 
and, and just come forward. We're going to pray for the one groups today. If you're a part of a one group, just come out and uh, just, just join us. Don't, and listen, I'm going to tell everybody to come in a minute. So if you're a part of one group, you might as well come out now. And, um, and I'm going to invite everyone else that's here today, everyone else that's here today. Uh, I want you to get out of your seat and join us at the altar because we're going to pray that we become a loving community and that we love one another. So let's all just come out, even in the balcony, just come out and let's just join together. Let's just join together, everybody in this place. I'm amazed when I tell people to come out of their seat. They're still not knowing exactly how to do it. So let me show you. You just go like this. There you go. Just come on out of your seat. And if the worship team would come. Listen, look at me, folks, for a moment. This is so incredibly important. This doesn't happen at every church. Trust me. As you look around and you see people of different colors, of different ethnicities, different races, and here we are together to be an example, a demonstration of what it really means to love one another. Now, I'm telling you, if, if you're not a part of a one group, a group of people that love and care about each other, you need to be proactive. You need to say, I'm going to start a group or I'm going to become a part of a group. Um, and I know sometimes you think, well, nobody's asked me. You go and do it. You go and do it. All you have to do is have a heart to gather people together and pour your life into someone else. Yeah, there's going to be other things that are going to be required as we go along, but the heart of this whole thing, as I was sitting there, as I was sitting at that seat, and I think, you know, three years ago when God told me to tell the church to start loving each other, you know, there was, was a, a part of me that was afraid, like, well, what if they start getting together and they start, you know, doing weird things, you know, because Christians are... <laughs> I'm telling you, some Christians are just weird, you know, and, and, you know, and I always get that. People are like, well, pastor, aren't you afraid? Like, aren't you afraid that if people get together, they're going to start teaching weird things, you know, and, and do weird things and, you know, and splinter off and be divided. You know, I, I just want to be honest with you. The Lord told me, trust your people, trust them, trust your people, man. And you're not my people anyway. He said, trust my people, <laughs> you know. And, and no, there, there is going to be, there is accountability, don't get me wrong, and there's going to be discipline when discipline needs, but, but trust his people, and, and I trust the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. And God showed me something revolutionary, and that is, is that if the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, and you know the word, and you love God, then you're going to love each other. And the thing that's been amazing about this project, this experience, and this experiment is that it's really working. Like, it, like I hear stories all the time, like, we really love each other. And we have a meal once a month, but then we get on the phone with each other, and we're praying for each other. And, we, and, 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 a, and a young father is being mentored by an older father, and, 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 and people are having breakfast together on Saturday mornings and talking about life and seasons of life. And, and, and people are talking and, and sharing with one another and teaching each other while we're doing life together. Amen. And this is so beautiful. This is so powerful. This is love. This is love. The Bible says... There's no greater love than a man that he should lay down his life for his friend. And I think as the years go by, the love gets deeper and stronger. And the relationships get deeper and stronger. And when somebody needs a friend, there's a friend. And somebody needs to cry, there's somebody to cry with and laugh with and, and do life with. And as we learn together, like next week as I talk about growing in knowledge, you know, if I grow in knowledge, I give it to somebody else, and they give it to somebody else, and they give it to somebody else, and they give it to somebody else. But we need to start with, are we committed? Are we truly committed to loving God and loving each other? Let's pray. I want you to do this with me. Raise your hands, okay? Then take your hands and wipe your hands on your pants. <laughs> and get all the sweat off your hands. 
and then reach across and touch somebody and grab their hand and grab their hand and let's just pray father father we're thankful today lord we're thankful that we have a place to come that we have a community a family it's called Bethlehem Assembly of God. Lord, I pray for those that don't feel loved, oh God. Those that don't feel like they fit, Lord. They do fit, Lord. They do fit, Lord. They belong here, God. And we love them deeply, God. Lord, I pray today that you would help them to see, Lord, that, that as they reach out, Lord, God, and as we join together in unity, Father God, that the Holy Spirit would be so honored and pleased that his spirit will dwell among us as the Bible says how good and how pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in love, in unity. It's the anointing that flows in us and through us, oh God. So teach us today, Lord. Teach me, Lord, how to love God. Teach me how to love with no strings attached, Lord. Teach me how to love and keep on loving God. Teach me how to forgive when somebody hurts me. Teach me how to talk through the bitterness. Teach me how to talk through the arguments, Lord. And teach us how to be committed to each other, God. Loving each other from our hearts, oh God. Lord, we ask you today, Lord God, that, that you would touch our, our, our hearts, Lord. And God, we thank you that we love you first. And then we love our brothers and sisters as ourselves. We thank you for that, Father. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everyone said. Amen. Now listen, on your way out, on your way out, and I mean this, I mean this. Don't let me catch.